in case somebody didn't hear, we'll read also the New Testament as well. Now, settle down, calm down. Our, our text today was lifted up from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 to 10, from the English Standard Version, which is Jesus calling the first disciples. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the cats of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Amen. Amen. Good morning, Edge City Church. So good to see you. Uh, welcome to our guests. Uh, just wanna, my name is Finn. I serve as a pastor here. I'm so excited. I'm so happy that you're able to join with us today. I'm excited today because we're starting a brand new sermon series. Our sermon series is called Encounters with Jesus. Encounters with Jesus. And so would you just join me in a word of prayer? Father, we just come before you right now, Lord. We thank you, Father, for just moving in such a powerful way during worship. Holy Spirit, would you just have your way in these next few moments? Lord, I just hide myself behind the cross. That, Lord, that you will be seen, and I will just completely get out of the way. Father, I love you, and I praise you, and we're excited for what you're going to be doing through these series of messages. We give you all the glory and honor and praise. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. As uh, Pastor Celso read for us, we are in Luke chapter 5. And here we see that uh, we, we're going to see the disciples encounter with Jesus Christ, specifically the Apostle Peter. And so we're going to be looking at a few topics today. Some of them are, we're going to be looking at Jesus picking his team. We're going to be looking at Jesus, seeing um, what kind of people Jesus is going to pick for his mission and for his glory. We're going to see what kind of people Jesus is looking for, what kind of people Jesus can use. And what we're going to find out today is that in Peter's story, we are going to see our own story. 
we're going to see a man who had this encounter and grace with Jesus Christ. He, he saw this grace of Jesus Christ and his life was just radically transformed. We see that uh, Peter encounters Jesus and his identity changes, his, his purpose changes. Everything in this guy's life, it just changes because he encounters Jesus Christ. Now, to give a little bit of context here this morning, uh, we see that Jesus has come out of the desert, and now he is pub publicly trying to teach the Word of God. He is now starting to heal people. He is starting to uh, perform miracles. And what we find out about Jesus is that he moves from a guy who was once isolated in the desert, and now he is a guy who's got this huge crowd of people around him. People want to be around Jesus. People want to learn from him. People want to be healed by him. People want to see the miracles and the power of Jesus. And so everywhere that Jesus goes in Luke chapter 5, there just seems to be this crowd of people around him that are just pressing in that want to be near him. But one of the things that Jesus does is very interesting. Jesus, you see, is not enamored by the big crowd. He is not after trying to find a whole bunch of fans. Jesus is after a few. A few that he can call to himself, a few that he can train, that he can love and he can disciple, a few that he can empower for the mission of God. And so today we're going to see in chapter 5, we're going to see Jesus picking his team. Now, if you have ever picked a team before in your life for anything, whether it's significant or just not significant, can we all just confess today that when we pick our team, we look for the awesome. We look for the able. We look for the brightest and the best, right? We look for the strong. We look for the capable, the experienced. Let me give you an illustration um, so I don't know for those of you who may not know, Edge City, Ch Edge City Church, we have a softball team, okay? We started playing softball a few months ago, and it's just been a, so much fun. And uh, in the very, so we got, you know, next Sunday is actually our World Series of softball. So we want to come out and invite you out to come out for that. It's the Edge City Yankees facing the Edge City Mets, right? And so uh, a few, uh, but before, in the beginning, when we used to, when we were picking our teams, it was quite interesting because when we picked our team, there's two individuals that play softball with us, Sergio and Tim. Everybody is always looking to be on Sergio's team or on Tim's team. Like if it's, if it's anybody else's team, we're just like, all right, all right. But if it's their team, because Sergio and Tim, the thing about them is they have this experience playing baseball. I mean, they come from families who have played baseball. Uh, they, they, if it wasn't for some injuries that they experienced, I mean, literally, they probably could have been playing professional baseball right now. And so we look to be on their team specifically. And I think when we pick our team, we do the same thing. We look for natural things like that. We look for the person with the resume. We look for the person who is educated. We look for the doer. 
We look for the proven, the professionals. We we look for the one who looks like an all-star. We want to just stack our deck and we want to just see in people the way that they want to display to us. And one of the cool things that we find in Luke chapter 5 is that Jesus doesn't pick his team like that. He doesn't pick his team like how we pick our team. Jesus picks his team and he calls the rejected. He calls the outcasts. He calls the sinners. He calls the ordinary, the uneducated, the simple. And today we're going to find in Luke chapter 5 that Jesus is picking his first round draft picks. He is picking the guy who is going to go and anchor his team. He's picking a guy who just in a few years, he's going to just hand off his entire uh, ministry to. He is picking his guy. He's picking a guy by the name of Simon, who Jesus later on calls Peter. And when we find Peter today, here's what we know about Peter. What we know about Peter is this. There is nothing special about Peter. There is, there is nothing that screams out that this is going to be a guy who's going to go and change the world for the glory of God. This is a guy that is going to go and lead a movement for the glory of God. When we meet Peter today, we realize that he wasn't born into power or prestige. He wasn't a somebody. He didn't have this big Bible degree. He didn't have this, you know, powerful network of people. When we meet Peter in Luke chapter 5, here's what we know about him. Peter is a hard-working, humble fisherman. He got a little boat on a small lake, and he's just trying to grind out a living for his family. And that is who Peter is. He's got calloused hands. Peter's a guy that if you look at him, he looks like a guy that he was created and destined for just mediocrity. That's the Peter that we meet today. Nobody is coming to Peter and saying, I want you to run my company, Peter. Nobody is coming to Peter and saying, I want you on my leadership board. Nobody is coming to Peter and saying, I need you at my prestigious university. Nobody is giving this invitation to Peter But he encounters Jesus and something changes in his life. He has this encounter with Jesus and Jesus does a work in Peter's heart. And then Peter starts to do, uh, Jesus does a work in Peter's life and in and through him. In fact, what we see is, uh, we go to the next book in the book of Acts. You will see, if you read the book of Acts, you'll see the same unimpressive Peter standing in front of thousands of people preaching Jesus Christ and sharing the good news under the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit, starting a movement and introducing literally thousands of people to Jesus Christ. And he is saying, listen, you need to know this Jesus that changed me. This Jesus was not just a criminal killed on a cross. This Jesus is the risen Savior that has been prophesied about that you need to meet. And when you meet Peter here, he doesn't look like that guy who's going to just go on to do those specific things that I just said. But Jesus picks 
his guy. He picks Peter, he empowers Peter, he trains Peter, and he loves Peter. And God ended up using Peter in such a mighty and powerful way. And so if you're wondering, well, that's good, Pastor Finn, but like, why does this matter to us? Well, it matters to you and to me and to I because all of us, in the back of our minds, have asked that same question. God, could you really use a person like me? Is there really room for somebody like me on your team, God? God, you don't understand. I come from the wrong part of town. God, you don't understand. I don't have the right degree. I don't, I, I'm too tired. I am too old. I am too young. I, I'm not experienced enough. I don't know enough. God, do you really want to use a person like me? And in Luke chapter 5, God looks at you and God says, I specialize in using people like you. I specialize in using the ordinary and the untrained. And let me just tell you a secret. You want to know a little secret? The little secret is this. Jesus delights in using the ordinary because he gets the glory. He gets the glory then. And so let's just dive right back into Luke chapter 5. The first few verses, uh, here's what we see. The first thing that we learn about Jesus is that Jesus can preach. Jesus can preach. I mean, he comes out of the desert preaching and there's crowds of people. There are so many people around Jesus that he's just standing next to a lake and they are all trying to press into him. I mean, Jesus is literally being threatened right here to be crushed. And so Jesus, he jumps into Peter's little, you know, small fishing boat here, and Jesus starts to preach. The crowd is just enamored by the preaching and the teaching of God's word. And they're standing there, and they're just listening to every word that Jesus is saying, wanting to learn. But after Jesus is done preaching in verse 4, now, uh, this is what Jesus says to Peter. Let's go to verse 4. It says this. Put out into the deep and let down your nets. And Peter answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. Right? Like we were out all night long, Jesus, but we caught nothing. But at your word, but at your word, I will let down the nets. Let me pause right there. So basically, Jesus is, he's, on, he's in a fishing boat here, right? And um, he's with a fisherman. Uh, and Jesus goes, you know, let's go get some fish. And so when you read this for the very first time, you might say, well, this seems like a harmless request. But according to earthly wisdom, uh, this was a bad idea, and it was absolutely bad timing here. It was bad timing because during this time in history, uh, the fishermen actually kind of had um, these, uh, these clunk clunky nets, 
right? And so uh, these nets were not made out of like, you know, like today we have like the, the invisible line that we have today, uh, but out of this, like this um, yarn kind of fabric. And so when they would actually throw the net into the water, they were so clunky that the fish could actually see it. And so the fishermen did not fish during the day. So what they did was they fished at nights. They fished at night because that increased the opportunity and the chances of them catching fish. And so when Jesus turns to Peter and says, let's go grab some fish, Peter is like, don't you know? I just got done fishing here. It says that he had been fishing all night. This isn't like the right time to catch fish right now. Like, you want to catch some fish? Come back around 1 a.m. Then we can catch some fish. And it says in Luke chapter 5, verse 2, it says basically that they were done for the day, right? They were done for the day. Now, every single one of us has like these rhythms in our life, right? We have these rhythms, like, the, and they have these rhythms. What we do is we work and we rest. These guys have the same rhythms. They worked all night, and now they are trying to rest. And in Luke chapter 5, verse 2, it says that they were washing their nets right now. These guys are just hanging up their gear, and they're going to call it a night. They're trying to say to Jesus, Jesus, this is not, you know, let's go get some fish and go on an expedition time right now, okay? This is like throw on some ESPN and put on some Netflix type kind of a time right now, right? Like there is a difference right there. There is a big difference. But Jesus goes, no, I, I get that you grew up by the lake. I get that you know how to fish, but listen, I want you to push out into the deep and I want you to drop your nets. And so right now, Peter has a decision to make. Peter can either say, Jesus, listen, you do not understand, okay? Listen, I know this lake, okay? I have been fishing here for quite a little bit now, okay? So uh, this, I know, seems just really like a bad idea. It is bad timing. Or Peter can say, he can look at Jesus and he can say, okay, I'll obey. I'll push out and I'll drop my nets. And Edge City Church, I just want to say this. I want to say, let's be a church. Let's be a people that always says, but God, at your word, I will drop my nets. Let's be a church that says, I know it doesn't make sense, but we will drop our nets. And what happens next in the story is really unbelievable, right? It's, it's a miracle that takes place here. Just as the blind receive sight, just as the lame walk, as they experience the power of God, there's a miracle that happens on that lake that day. Peter, he drops the net and there is just so many fish caught in his net that they got to go and whistle for help. There's so many fish that is in his net that they got to go and call another boat to come and haul all the fish to the shore. And like I mentioned before, Peter, he grew up on this lake. He grew up fishing on this lake, and he knows that this 
is not supposed to happen right now. He, he knows that because he simply obeyed Jesus, he just got to watch Jesus do a new and powerful work right in front of his life. And Peter got to witness a miracle because Peter obeyed. Peter lays out a pattern for all of us to follow. Peter heard the voice of God and he obeyed the voice of God. Jesus said, drop your nets. And Peter, what he did was he went and he dropped his net. And you might be saying, well, you know, Pastor Finn, why is this such a big deal? All right, like he went fishing with Jesus and he put some nets in the water. Like, why is this, why are you making this such a big deal? You know what's the big deal? The big deal is this. The big deal is that Peter learned how to obey Jesus. He learned how to obey Jesus. You see, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we need to learn to obey Jesus. And in this circumstance, Peter had every reason to disobey Jesus. There are just all kinds of reasons that he would have used to disobey Jesus. But like obeying Jesus was, you know, going to be a couple of things. Obeying Jesus, this is what, this is what it looked like for Peter. Obeying Jesus was risky. It was humbling. It was costly. I mean, isn't it true, right? Like anytime you've heard the voice of Jesus or you heard Jesus ask you to do something, aren't we, we all really good at convincing ourselves that Jesus's idea is a bad idea? And you, you don't know Jesus, he's going to change. It's going to be fine. Oh, you don't know Jesus? Like I run a bank and you're going to tell me how to run my finances? Come on, Jesus. Like, we always have a reason to disobey Jesus. And Peter, in this moment, he had a reason to disobey Jesus, right? Three things. Number one, it's costly. This was costly for Peter. You see, anytime we say yes to Jesus, it is going to cost you and I something. The reason that Peter knew that it was going to be costly is that he already finished washing his net. And he had, you know, this long 12-hour shift. He was tired. And so yes to Jesus was going to cost Peter his energy, his comfort, his time. It was going to cost Peter something. Number two, obeying Jesus was risky. You know the crowd that Jesus was preaching to right before? Yeah, that crowd is still sitting there on the shore. And Peter goes into the deep now, right? And the crowd must have been thinking like, what? Isn't that Peter the fisherman? Like, what are they trying to do? Like, this is not the time to do that. And Peter had to be thinking to himself in that moment, oh, oh no. Like, everybody's going to be thinking that I have, gone, I have lost my mind. I'm, the, I'm right here in the middle of the day fishing. Everybody knows that this is not the time to do that. This right now is a time to hang out. It's a time to relax, to chill, to rest. Everybody's going to be thinking Peter has just lost his mind. And they're going to be thinking that I am such a fool. Right? They're going to think that I am such an imbecile. And Edge City Church, 
Isn't it true, right? That sometimes when we obey Jesus, we don't look cool. We don't look cool. Like it's nearly impossible to be all in on Jesus with Jesus and look awesome. All right, let me just, just say it right now, okay? Like if you don't want to be embarrassed, then stay away from Jesus. Okay? Like if you don't, like, because he may be asking you to do some crazy stuff that does not make sense to, in, to the world. And Peter is learning the lesson right here. The last thing is this, Jesus is asking Peter to humble himself, to humble himself. I mean, think about Jesus, like think about Jesus walking into your home, walking into your business and telling you how to run something. Jesus comes from a family of carpenters. He makes hutches, tables, and chairs, okay? That's what Jesus does. Peter, his dad taught him how to fish, Right? This is what Peter does. This was Peter's grind. This was his business. This was how he supports his family. He might, know, he might not know a lot of you know, math and literature and all that stuff, but Peter knows how to catch fish. That's what he knows. And now Jesus is stepping into his boat and Jesus is saying, let me, you know what? Let me tell you how to catch some fish, Peter. Let me tell you how to run your life, Peter. Let me tell you how to do it better, Peter. And then in that moment, Peter had that decision to make and say, listen, I know how to do this, Jesus, okay? Like, I'm an expert. This is my area of expertise. Or Peter had the opportunity to just humble himself in that moment and say, Jesus, you're greater. Master, I will listen to you. And at your, at your word, God, I will drop my net. And isn't it true that in, there are times in our life that we just have to yield to the will of God, to the voice of God, and just say, Jesus, I've been around for a couple of years, but I know that you're the expert here. I will do things that you have called me to do. Peter had every reason to disobey Jesus. And Edge City Church I just don't want us to miss this today, that we as a people can be people who makes excuses, right? We tell God, God, it is too risky. It is too humbling. It is too hard. It is too expensive. It is too difficult. And we can just reject the voice of God. And if we reject the voice of God, we are going to miss watching Jesus do something supernatural right in front of us. Or we can just be a people that says, you know what, Jesus, at your word, I will drop my nets. So let me ask us today, where is God asking you to drop your net? Where has Jesus said, you need to drop your net here? But you're looking at him and saying, you know what, Jesus, it's too costly, it's too hard, I'm gonna look like a fool, it does not make sense. I am not going to do it. And Jesus is saying, follow me into the deep and drop your nets. And you're saying, God, you don't know the relationship, okay? You don't know. It's going to change. 
I don't want to do it right now, God. It's bad timing. It's just going to be so costly. People are going to judge me. It is going to be so difficult, right? Not right now. I'm not the person. I'm not the right person for this, God. Where has Jesus asked you to do something, but you told him no? Where have you failed to obey? In my life, one of the areas that I heard God ask me to do something that was really difficult for me was uh, I'm right, standing right before you as a church planter, as a pastor. Um, you see, seven years ago, God called, uh, called me to just uh, drop my net and take my wife and my three young daughters, all under four years old, and to plant a church and transition from a church that I was so comfortable in being the youth pastor and just become a church planter, a lead pastor. And my first thought was, God, I don't have any impressive degrees here, okay? Like, I, I have young kids, God. Uh, God, why? I, I mean, I can't, like a church planter's salary on Long Island? Come on now, God. Like, I, I don't know. This is not the right time for me, Lord. It's not. You know, I'm so comfortable just being a youth pastor. I love what I'm doing. It's so good. Maybe when I feel a little bit more adequate, maybe when I feel strong, maybe when I feel like I, I'm really trained, right? And, uh, and, 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 and I love it. And I can speak to the youth. Speaking to adults, like, I don't know about that, right? Like, God, I don't even like hearing my own voice. I mean, people are going to come and hear me speak. I don't even want to hear myself speak. God, I don't even know, Lord. I don't. And Jesus was, look, Jesus was saying, drop your nets. Drop your net. And we planted uh, Hope Church Long Island with uh, about 20 people and it grew to uh, a little over, uh, over 100 people. And seeing dropping that net and seeing God move was just amazing. amazing. And then another dropping your net moment when the leaders of Edge City Church approached me and asked if I would like to join the team and join our church plants together because we felt that we were better together than apart. And telling God, God, you know, okay, they've asked me to do this, but Lord, we're two church plants. Usually when one joins with another one, it, it means that one of them failed. So God, when people look at me, Lord, I'm going to look like a failure of a church planter. I'm going to this is just going to, and then somebody approached me and said, wouldn't you look like a failure? And even people are saying that I was battling in my mind. This is going to just look so foolish because we're growing as a church plant. It doesn't make sense to kind of do this. And then asking over 100 people to come together and to join a brand new, another church plant, Lord. Don't you know, God, that we're successful? We're doing well. Lord, you planted us. Churches die out within a couple of years. And here we are. We're growing. And on top of that, we're in the, the preacher's graveyard called Long Island, right? In the New England area where it's so hard to kind of plant churches. And so here we are, Lord, and we're successful and we're doing well. And the Lord was saying, you know, is it about what you guys have built? Is it what you, about you, about what people looking at you, or is it about me? And I made that decision. I said, yes, Lord. It may not make sense at that moment to people, but I will take that step. And I shared with our leaders that everybody was just on board. And not only that, but people came along for this ride of being here at Edge City Church. And I want to thank you, Edge City Church, for just welcoming us to be here 
and welcome and thank you to all of our Hope Church Long Island folks to coming alongside me and trusting me to be a part of this. And we're seeing God doing something amazing here at Edge City Church, right? People coming, uh, people drawing closer to God. I mean, the, the stuff that's happening here is just so exciting and we are so grateful to be here. And God asks us to drop our nets in that moment. And maybe God is asking you to drop your nets, right? Sometimes God comes into your life and he's saying, you know, quit your job or take, take that job or marry that person or take that risk or do something huge. And you got to say in that moment, will I drop my nets? And other times, ordinary moments, everyday moment, the Spirit of God is just going to, you know, prompt you to do something. And in those moments, you're going to have the opportunity to obey or to disobey. And so God is asking, will you allow me to work in your life? Will you drop your nets? Will you say, but at your word, yes, I will do it? Or will you say, I will submit to your will? I will simply Obey your call, and I, I, and I want to see supernatural things right before our eyes. Other times, Jesus is going to say, drop your nets and, you know, jump into community, right? And, and, and say, and, and you're saying, you know what, God, I don't know about that. Like, I don't want to be a part of a community group. I don't want to be a part of a small group or start serving, like, or just, you know, I don't want to just encourage. I don't want to start loving people. You know, don't you know, God, I'm an introvert. You know, I'm, you know, I tried to do that in another church and the people were just so weird over there. And so like, I don't want to do that again. Don't you know, God, I love you. I'll read a book about you. I will just write a check, but don't ask me to actually care about somebody. Jesus is saying, would you drop your nets? Would you realize that you are adopted into a family? All right, this thing isn't about just you and your vertical relationship with me. This is about my relationship with you and the people that I called you to. So would you drop your nets? Would you let God use you to encourage the people of God and, and let God use the people of God to encourage you? Would you drop your nets and stop making excuses? And others of you listening, maybe you're here and you used to have this crazy passion for the lost. You used to love your neighbors. You used to love your coworkers and your classmates and, and your lost family members. And you used to pray a prayer for them to move toward a relationship with them. You used to dream about displaying good deeds in your county, in your city, so that you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. You were just so excited about the vision of actually just making disciples, right? And, and seeing the, you know, people coming to the knowledge and the grace of Jesus Christ. But then guess what happened? Somebody didn't take you on your offer, on your invite to go to church. Somebody told you that you were too much of a Jesus freak. Somebody told you that they don't believe the Bible. Somebody told you that they're not interested and to go away. So what you did was you closed that part of your heart. And what you said was, God, you're not moving here. You're not moving here. And Jesus is asking you to drop your net and to re-engage and to start pursuing, to actually believe right, there's a new work in our county. There is a new work in our city. There is a new work uh, in our family. There is a new work in our neighborhoods. 
And you're sitting with this posture and saying, God, don't you know that these people are just not interested? Don't you know that they don't even believe God? God, don't you know that they do not even trust the Bible? Don't you know that I'm not even trained, God? Don't you know that I've tried this years ago? And Jesus is saying, would you drop your nets? Would you submit? Would you start serving? Would you start believing? Would you start knowing that God is able to even touch the hardest of hearts to himself? So let me think about it. He's called you. He's called me. He's rescued us when we were hard. Our hearts were hardened. Could he not do a work around you? And City Church, let's be a church that will say, God, at your word, we will do it. We will submit. We will obey. We will do what you have called us to do at your will, Lord. We will do it. Jesus, even if it doesn't make sense, we will follow and we will obey. As I invite the worship team to come forward, as I invite you to close your eyes and to bow your heads with me, we're going to see here this call with Peter with this encounter with Jesus, we see that Peter has just changed his posture and his purpose. It all began to change in his life. And we see that Peter encounters Jesus, and what Peter did was he falls at the feet of Jesus, and he says that he is a sinful man. In the midst of the miracle, Peter realizes that God is strong and that he is weak, he realizes that this is not just some carpenter from a few towns away, that this Jesus is the living God. He realizes that this Jesus is not one of many creations, but he is the creator that stepped into creation to save his creation. That this Jesus is the all-knowing and all-powerful God of the universe and he's standing right in front of him and his natural posture is to say, God, I am not worthy, God. I don't deserve to be in your presence, God. I've done nothing to earn this, to witness your work like this, oh God. So in that moment, God starts to turn in his heart and his only response is his body starts to follow his heart. Just like how we start worshiping Jesus and our hands go up, what happens in our heart starts to come out through our bodies. And that same thing happens in this. His heart is broken and stirred. And so his only posture is to get down at the feet of Jesus. To get low. And out of his mouth comes this unfiltered, raw confession. He says, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner.
Right, that confession right there is a starting place for every follower of Jesus. You see, when we all get to heaven, everybody in heaven is going to have the same story to tell. And that same story to tell is, I met Jesus and I got low at his feet and I decided, you know, to go to the right church and then become awesome. Like that's gonna be the story. No, no, that's not the story. Every single one of us has this one story and the story is this, is that we come before God and we say, I am a sinner. And if you, if you have experienced the grace of God, that is where we have all started. And for some of us today, if you've been just beat up by sin, if you've never acknowledged it before a holy God that you are a sinner, and maybe if you're coming into this place and maybe you said yes to Jesus years ago, but you have been hiding from him and you've been pretending or you've been fronting, I want to give you the space right now to pray that prayer that Peter prayed. Right? Maybe that's the healthiest thing for some of us right now in our relationship with God would be to say those very words. Just say, I'm a sinner. Lord, I am a sinner, God. Edge City Church, let's not be scared to pray the real prayer. Right, let's come to God as we are, not as we were. God, I'm an addict. God, I am angry. God, I am hurting. God, I am self-centered. God, I am running from you. God, I am exhausted. God, I am messy. God, I am lustful. God, I am unworthy. God, I am a liar. God, I am a cheater. God, I am prideful. God, I am caught up with all the treasures of this world and I am a greedy person. So I need your grace, oh God. Right, that right there is the posture of the people of God. And if you're in that place, please do not see it as a place for bad people. See it as a place for broken people. Broken people. Right before you experience the beautiful grace of Jesus Christ. Right? I'm a sinner. And Lord, you've forgiven me, God. Understand what a divine gift that is when you realize that you are a guilty person and that God is able to just take away the shame when you realize that, what a gift that is. Right? Peter is able to experience this because in just a few years, Jesus Christ is going to go to the cross to endure the punishment that Peter deserved. So there is no fear of condemnation. There is no fear of punishment. There is no fear of the wrath of God because Jesus is about to take that to the cross. And in that moment, Peter can be accepted by a holy God because Jesus 
is going to allow himself to be completely rejected. In this moment, Peter can experience the removal of his shame because Jesus goes to the cross to carry his shame. Edge City Church, do you see the good news? Do you see the good news today? That it is only in Jesus that our fear of condemnation and judgment and rejection are quieted. It is only in Jesus that we are given access to a holy God and allowed in a relationship with our Father. It is only in Jesus that Jesus looks at our guilt and he removes our guilt and he removes our shame and he shows us grace. It's Jesus that carries the confession of sinners and says, I will not reject you and send you away, but I will make you clean. And Jesus says, I will make you agents of my grace and I will make you trophies of my grace. That now the dead and the dying can see the power of Christ in and through you. It is only in Jesus. So let's come before the Lord and say, Jesus, thank you, God, for taking our guilt, for taking our shame, for taking our pride, taking it all, Lord, and bringing that to the cross. Thank you for giving us this gift of confession to come before you to say, I am a sinner. That we're not bad people when we say that, but we are broken people. That we come before you where it says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I come, Lord, we come in that posture, Father. And not only that, Lord, you clean us and then you say, go out and I will make you fishers of men. And may we go with that today, that God has called us to be fishers of men in our workplace, with our family, everywhere we, that we go, he is with us. So Father, thank you for this time, Lord. We give you the glory and the honor and the praise. We pray this in Jesus' name.